Hey, thanks for listening to the Reclaim Podcast. You can go ahead and find our church on Facebook and Instagram at ReclaimTX. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, so rags and riches is this this thought that I've been thinking about over the last few weeks. Um, This idea that, you ever hear the term rags to riches, right? Where people in the world talk about how like, I once was poor, and I was from, I'm from the rags, and now I, I, I made it, and, I'm, and I got money, and I got, I'm successful. And, and so this idea of rags to riches, right, rags and riches. But something that, that I thought about is, is how misleading that statement can be, or how, um, I, guess, I guess in a sense, wrong, because it, it doesn't really, when you think of riches, you, the, people try to portray that that is satisfying. People portray that if you have a certain look in life or if you made it to the top in your company or you made it to a certain amount of money in your bank account, then then you are going to be satisfied. But that's really not how the Bible talks about satisfaction. And for anybody anybody who knows other people who make a lot of money and don't know Christ or who who are very successful in life and don't know Christ, oftentimes they are left empty. You, I wonder why these, these, these stars and these celebrities who, who have all the money, the fame, and, and, and the influence, why do they turn so often to drugs and alcohol to fulfill what's empty inside of them? And even people who don't have the fame, we turn to things, but what does it mean to be fulfilled? Because if we're honest with ourselves, in life, why are we living, right? Like, we're really living so that the next step could be a little bit more successful than the one before, Right? I'm working hard at my job. Why? So maybe one day I can get a promotion or maybe one day I can get a raise or, or right? Is anybody, anybody with me this morning? Right? We, we think of it this way, but, but what does it mean to be truly fulfilled? And Jesus says this in John 10, verse 6 through 20. He said, those who heard, oh, it says this, those who heard Jesus use this illustration and did not understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. He said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers. Excuse me, thieves and robbers, but the, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come in and they will come and go freely, and I will find good pastures. The thieves' purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So Jesus is saying, look, I've come to give you what actually is satisfying. I've come to actually fulfill you. And another, another term that is used is I've, I've come to give you abundant life, right? Life is, that is really worth living or life that is fully satisfied. But what does that look like? What does that look like? I think when you think rags to riches, I think what the world thinks of as rags, the church or the Christian or the, those who know God think of as riches. And what the world looks at as riches, those who know Christ and seen Christ and been fulfilled by Christ, look at that as rags. In Philippians chapter 3, 3 through 4, Paul says this, he says, we put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. 
I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So what is he saying? He's saying, although it looked like I was rich, I was really only caring or, or, or owning to what I see now as rags, what I see now as worthless. Although it seemed like I had it all together and I had everything that I've ever wanted, when I looked at those things and I compared them to knowing Christ, I realized that those things that I had before were actually worthless because I found everything in Christ. I remember when I was, when I was growing up looking for fulfillment, and, and I am not old by any stretch of the imagination. I'm still in my 20s. I'm, a 20, I'm 28 years old. So I still got a lot of life learning to do. I know that. Um, I remember our first, our first meeting at the church. We, we had a vision night, and, uh, <laughs> and there's an older gentleman there. And the only question he asked for the night was, what qualifies you to be a pastor? Because <laughs> I was so young, and, or I am so young. And I, and I said, you know what, I don't know. Um, I guess nothing, you know. And he never came back since. So, <laughs> um, But anyway, I remember growing up and thinking that when I, maybe when I get to a certain place, then my life will be fulfilled, right? I remember, like, obviously when I was really young, I was like, hey, okay, well, when I get my license, right, when I get my license, then I'll be good to go. When I get, and then I was like, okay, when I get a job, I'll be good to go. And then I had a job and I had a license, and I was like, okay, well, I still need something more. And I remember continuing to look forward, right, like, oh, when I get married, then, then my life will be all together, right? But then I got married and I realized that marriage brought me, because of me, a lot, of more, a lot more issues than I was ready for. And I remember thinking like, okay, well, now that I'm married, maybe when I have kids, then I'll really be fulfilled. And these, these thought processes came through my life. And I realized that, that the things about the, when you pursue earthly things, although those things are not wrong within themselves, we will never be fully satisfied until our spirits are full. Because if all we have are physical and, and things that we can touch and feel, if that's all that we have, then, and we're empty inside of our soul, then we'll never be satisfied. We'll always be constantly looking for more. We'll be looking for more. We'll be searching for other things because we're empty inside. See, the, Jesus, the truth is this, is that God created you to be whole. He did not create you to be empty, although he created you to be filled. So what does that mean? That means he created you to be filled by him, but if you're not filled by him, you're empty. And oftentimes we search for things, we search for satisfaction. In Philippians 4, 10 through 13 says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content. So what is content? Content is a state of satisfaction. We all kind of know what that means. He says, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So what is he saying? He's like, I've learned that all these earthly things can never fulfill me, but I've learned that I'll always be filled if I'm with Christ. So no matter the circumstance on the outside, if I'm filled inside, then I am satisfied or I am fulfilled or I am living abundant life. Because earthly things cannot fulfill your soul. Earthly satisfaction is temporary. That's why when we get a new car, the new car smell goes away, right? Like, it's not always enjoy as enjoyable as you think it is, right? 
we get a new car, then we're like, well, maybe if I get another one, maybe if I get a bigger house, or maybe if I get a better job. And we're constantly empty because the only way that we can be truly content is with our soul and our spirit. Being satisfied has more to do with what's in you than what's around you. It has to do with what's inside of you. This idea is contrary to earthly thinking, right? It doesn't make sense to those who don't know Christ. In Matthew, in Matthew uh, 10, 38 through 39, and just Jesus kind of gives us this layout of what he requires or what he's asking for those who follow him. And, and, and the question is, well, how can I be fully satisfied? I want my soul to be satisfied. I want, I want this, this, this anxiety or this worry that I'm not good enough to be satisfied. I want, I want this emptiness to be fulfilled. How do, I, how do I do that within my own self? How do I find that? And Jesus says this. He says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. So what's he saying? He's saying if you constantly are trying to fulfill your own life by yourself, you will always be empty. You will never know who you truly are. But if you give your life over to the Lord, you'll find life and abundant and satisfaction and fulfillment in that life. Because that's the kind of God that we serve, the kind of God that fulfills us. So when you talk about abundant life, I got three things that we can do. Um, three practical things. If you're taking notes, you can write these things down. If not... Um, that's all right. But the number one thing that we can do when we talk about abundance is we have to leave for abundance. Now, in 2 Kings, there's some, I'm going to read uh, quite a bit of scripture today. I'm, I'm going to try to keep you, I'm not trying to keep you too long today, although we have no plans tonight, so I'm good. I could be here all day. <laughs> uh, except for the finals. I'll be watching the finals tonight. Um, I know that you, everybody loves the finals, right? They start, they start super late, so I watch them by myself. Um, anyway, so... There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 7. Um, and so what we find, we find this land in, in the midst of a famine. And, and the prophet, and the king really comes, he, he starts looking for the prophet Elisha. And he's blaming Elisha for this famine, right? He's blaming Elisha. So he, he says, look, i got to find Elisha, and I'm going to chop his head off. I'm going to kill him, right? And so finally he, he confronts Elisha. And this is what Elisha, Elisha says to this king. He says but, Eli it says, but Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So what was happening is that they could not afford anything. Everything was inflated because of the famine. So they couldn't afford flour. They couldn't afford food. Um, it talks about how they were, they were using, um, I believe it was uh, uh, some kind of bird dung to, to, to really satisfy what they needed. They were in a desperate Desperate famine. And now the prophet is saying, look, by tomorrow, everything's going to be back. We're going to have all that we need. Then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? He's basically questioning him, saying it's not really possible. But Elisha said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four men with leprosy. Does anybody know what leprosy is? Leprosy is this really bad disease where it basically eats up your skin, your body, uh, you lose body parts, you lose fingers, you lose arms. And so when, when, when people had leprosy back in these times, they were really secluded from, from their, their people. They were pushed out towards the edge of the city. They weren't allowed inside. Whenever they walked through the city, they had to shout out, unclean, unclean, right? So everybody would kind of disperse and they wouldn't get the disease because it was contagious. So we find that there's this, there's this famine in the land. The prophet tells the king, it's going to be better tomorrow. And then the Bible kind of jumps to the scene. It says there's four leprous men, right? 
What do these leprous men have anything to do with this? So they, these four leprous men were sitting at the entrance of the city gates. And one of them said, why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the, our army in camp or to the enemy. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused our, 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 Arminian, our excuse me, our Armenian army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. So check out this. This is a crazy, crazy story. There's these four leprous men just limping out, trying to get over this hill, saying, man, either way, we're going to die. Like, imagine being in that place, right? Like, either way, I'm, I'm going to die. If I stay here, I'm, I'm going to die. If I go, I'm going to die. I might as well leave to the enemy's camp and see if they'll at least let us stay with them. Maybe they'll feed us. Maybe they'll take us to the prison. At least we can eat. So they get up, and God, God causes the enemy to hear each footstep at, from the lepers as a mighty army. And so this, 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 this army of Ar Armen Armenians gets up, runs out, because they think that there's a huge army coming after them. See, these men made the biggest difference. They were outcasts of the city. They were not wanted in the city. They were lepers. They were, they were really shunned. They were sitting at the city gates, not even allowed inside. And they're the ones who brought really everything that was needed for the city back into the city. See, these men had a desire to move. They were tired of their circumstance. They were tired of just sitting down, doing nothing. Are, 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 sometimes I wonder, are we staying where we're at because we limit ourselves? Are we staying where, we, where we're at when it comes to the things of God because we're just lazy or, be, or because we don't want to do anything? Or, or are we tired of just doing nothing? I, I don't know about you, but I'm honestly, I'm tired of, the, of a church, and I'm not speaking on any specific churches, but I'm tired of the church with no power. I'm tired of a church that, that when people come in, we have to offer programs and 12 steps and 20 steps instead of saying, hey, let God set you free. Now, I have nothing against programs. I think programs are good. But the problem is we replace these things because we have no power, because we're satisfied with being where we are. But these four leprous men show us a good picture that sometimes it's just time to get up. Sometimes it's time to move. And oftentimes, what do we say? We go, well, I'm not really good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough, right? I'm not fit enough. I know that that one's me right there. I was just throwing that in. <laughs> right? But can I, can I challenge you today to, to not allow your limitations to keep you in the same place for the rest of your life? Because we all have limitations. We all have hang-ups. We all have struggles. We all have things that we go through. But but I'll say this, the risk of regret is far greater than the risk of reward. I'd rather try and fail than fail to try. I'd rather do something for God. Like, we came to Texas, like, who, I didn't know you guys were going to be here. Like, I had no idea. But I'd rather do something for God and fail than sit in the camp and die. I'd rather move forward and, and fail because God is the kind of God that wants you to try. 
Right? We hear the story of Peter walking on water. If you don't know that story, I'd encourage you to read it. It's in Matthew chapter 14. But Peter, they're on the boat. They see Jesus. And Peter decides to get up and walk to Jesus. And what happens? He sinks. And everybody, everybody uses that story and says, well, so you, you can't look at the waves. You can't look at the storm. You've got to your, keep your eyes on Jesus or you'll sink. And we look at Peter like this guy who failed. But Peter, he walked on water. Like, if I was the, one of the 11 disciples that stood on the boat, I would be jealous. Right? Like, I don't care that he, he sunk. He walked. Like, he at least tried. He at least made an attempt. See, some of us were just scared that we're going to make a mistake. We're afraid that, like, if I tell my family I believe in God, they're going to start, you know, seeing all the things that I do wrong. Or I might mess up in front of them. Or if I tell my coworkers what I really believe, I might mess up and they'll be able to point me out. And, and I'll give God a bad name and the church a bad name. And, we, you know, we, you ever create scenarios that don't exist, right? Like, if I say this, they're going to say that. And if I, then, then, we, then we end up where we're fired, no money, and we don't have a house, right? Like, that, that's kind of how far our stories go. But we make up these scenarios of how bad it's going to be. But can I tell you something? Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Because God is with the risk taker. He walks with the one who tries. He gives, arm, he gives the sound of armies to leprous men who can't even really probably walk by themselves. This is the kind of God that, that he is. The kind of God that's like, just do something with what I gave you. Whatever it is. You may say, well, I haven't been to church in years and, and I, haven't, I haven't even read my Bible in years. But you have something. There's a reason you came today. There's a reason you came to, because there's something that, that makes you want to do something for God. There's something in you that there's a little bit of maybe, maybe, just maybe God has something greater for my life than what I'm living. Just get up and move. Just do it. Right, Nike? Just do it. Reclaim Church sponsored by Nike. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we hear the story of the talents, and I don't know if you're familiar with that. I don't want to read it. Because, again, I don't want to keep you too long. But in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus leaves, he tells this parable of a master who leaves his servants with, with what they call talents. And, and one has ten, one has five, or excuse me, I, I believe one has five, one has two, or something like that. I, it's in my notes. I'm not going to read it. But anyway, this is what happens. is The guy with the least amount of talents, he hides his talent. He buries it in the ground. The master comes back and he's like, hey, what would you do? He's like, well, I know how you are. Right, like that's a really bad way to start, right? Like I know how you are, so I buried my talent so that I wouldn't lose it. I buried it so nothing would happen. What is the, the master says? He's like, you know what? I wish you would have at least put it into the bank that I could have had some interest on it. But the fact that you did nothing is so irritating to me that I don't, I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to give it to somebody else. See, God wants you to take the little that you have and just do something. Just do something with it because God is more upset with those who don't do anything. The risk to hold on is greater than the risk to do something. The risk of saying, well, I'm just going to hold on to it for myself is greater than the risk of making a mistake. Because God is with those who make mistakes, but he's upset and irritated with those who are lazy. With those who do nothing with what they have. Be more concerned to waste what God has given you than to make a mistake with it. That makes sense this morning. Uh, Jeremy, would you mind giving me a cup of water? I would get it myself, but how awkward would that be if I like, excuse me, guys, put the mic down and walk to the back, and I come back with a donut and water. You know, that, 
<coughs> See, to walk in abundance means we have to let go of where we are. Can I, I'm going to say a quote that this is going to be the most memorable quote. It's going to be mind-blowing. Okay, are you ready for this? Are you ready? This, I don't think you've ever thought of this before. <laughs> I'm setting this up so bad. Anyway, this what, in order to go somewhere, we have to leave somewhere, right? That's mind-blowing, isn't it? You, to get to point B, you have to leave point A. I know that was life-changing for all of us, right? But to, to, to go somewhere, you have to leave somewhere or you have to leave something. So when we look about, when we think about what Jesus is calling us to, we think about a life that he's, he's, asking, he's saying, I got this for you. I have satisfaction and fulfillment and abundance for you. But you have to leave where, you're, where you are right now to be where he wants you to be. You have to be, you have to be okay with leaving some selfish desires behind. You have to be okay with the idea that you're no longer living for yourself anymore. The most selfish people are the most empty people. Because we're designed to live for others. But you'll have to leave some of your habits. You'll have to leave some of the things that you really like and that you, you feel like that's your life. But because, this, because what you have now is not greater than what God has for you. You have to let go of some old grudges from the people that hurt you. You have to let go of some, some unforgiveness and some bitterness towards the church. I know for some of us it's even hard to step into a place like this because it's like, man, I've been to churches and they hurt me. But the enemy is so good about convincing us that every church is the same. So to move forward, we have to begin to let our habits, our desires our unforgiveness, our bitterness. We have to begin to let the, also we have to let go of our mistakes, our failures, our past, our old reputation, our old name, right? The things that we used to do. We have to be able to let these things go so that we can walk where God wants us to walk. The risk to hold on to these things is greater than the risk of letting them go because the risk is worth the reward. God has something greater for you. He has something greater for you. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, he has more money or he has more, uh, a better job. I'm not saying those things. What I'm saying is he has fulfillment. Like, I just want to be fulfilled by God, right? Like, I just want to be satisfied. I want to walk the way that he wants me to walk. So we leave for abundance. And the second one is, is we link to abundance. We leave what we're at for what God has us and then we link to abundance. Second Kings, as we continue the story, 7, verse 8 through 9, says, when the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. <laughs> Imagine seeing that, like these guys is a big old empty camp. Anyway. <clears throat> and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and, and hid it. That's crazy. Verse 9, finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. Kingdom abundance is not for selfish gain. We're called to share what God has given us. Now, I'm not just saying, well, now we're like, well, I don't want to give my money away. Right? <laughs> like, I, gotta, I can't give. No, that's not just what I mean. I mean, I mean the experience of God that you, you're experiencing him. You're being fulfilled by him. 
it's not right. It's not right for those who know God to keep ourselves in our own little circle, our own little bubble, and say, well, this is all for me, all the fulfillment and satisfaction I'm getting. It's all for me and my family, right? As long as me and my kids are fine, then I don't care about anybody else. That is not kingdom thinking. It's not right to say, well, what we have is just for these four walls and the, and the drape, right? <laughs> like this, it's for everybody. It's for everyone. We're called to share what God has given us. Our intentions should always be to link others to God. We have this, this slogan here in the church. It's love God, love people, and connect people to a loving God. We want people to know Jesus. I don't care if people know me, honestly. Like I do in the sense of like I want to make friends and stuff, but, but I don't really care. I want people to know Jesus. I want people to encounter Jesus. But oftentimes we let our disease stop us, our, our, our failures, our, our hang-ups, our struggles. We let those things stop us. These leprous men could have let their disease stop them, but it was their, their disease or their weakness that pushed them to do something for God. Our weaknesses could either push us forward or pull us back, but we make that decision. You may not be perfect, but you can love. You can be generous. You can be kind. You may not have it all together, but can I, can I, can I tell you something? As a pastor, I celebrate small victories. I celebrate the little things that are happening in people's lives. Like, like, like we want to hear the stories of like, man, my whole life has changed. Like my whole life is restored and God has done everything that I prayed for. And those things are really good and I'm happy to hear those too. But what I enjoy is when people say, man, you know what? I just, I just stopped cussing. Like I just stopped cussing. I, don't, like, I feel like God has helped me stop cussing. To me, I celebrate that. Because it's a big deal. Because you can be used. You're called to connect people. So you have to understand that those small victories that you have are not to keep within yourself, but to tell your family, hey, hey, I stopped, I stopped cussing. I don't know why. They can say, well, why? And you say, well, God's doing something in me. I don't have it all together, and I never will. But he started something. And we share that because when people hear that, your issues, when they hear your struggles, when they hear your small victories, you're relatable. I'm by no stretch of the imagination a perfect father. I'm not a perfect husband. Um, maybe, no, I'm not. I'm not a perfect husband. I have a lot of mistakes. I have a lot of struggles. I have things in my life that I'm still, still, I'm still with the grace of God overcoming them. I'm overcoming temptation, but, but I am still tempted. I'm, no, I'm not perfect. I'm no better than you are. So I stand here today. If I can do this, I know you can. If I can connect people together and bring people together, and I, I, it's not all by my, it's not my work, it's the Holy Spirit, but if he can use someone like me to start a church and to bring people say, hey, connect with God, you can. So can you. But you can't be ashamed of what God's doing in your life. You can't be ashamed of the light that you now carry. The, the, the world will try to intimidate you and say, no, you have to live like us. You've got to silence your light. But no, you can't. You have to let your light shine. Jesus says you are the light of the world. And you should not be hidden. Nobody can hide you but yourself. Nobody can hide the light of Christ in you except for you. And the world is desperately seeking hope. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for something, somebody that will tell them, hey, your marriage can be healed. Hey, your addiction can be healed. Hey, your breakthrough can come in your life. Jesus can do this for you. You can be forgiven. You, they're waiting to hear the good news of the gospel. And you have it. You know it. 
We're called to link to abundance. It's okay to be different from the world. Can I just say that? It's okay to have different values than whatever, but all you hear in the world. It's okay to follow the word of God. That's a good thing. Even when it's contrary to the world. It's okay to be real. We're here at Reclaim Church, we are real. We're not trying to be anybody we're not. Like today, I was frustrated that the guitar wasn't working. I'm just going to be real with you. I was frustrated. I was frustrated this morning when I woke up and, and things just didn't go right. I was frustrated. We're real. We connect people because we understand. We know that if God could work on me, right, he could help you. So we leave for abundance. We, we link to abundance. And the last one is we live in abundance. We live in abundance. And, and here's really the, the, um, the part. I, if I can get my, my wife in here. If, uh, Jeremy, could you call her? I don't know if the piano is going to work, guys. But if it doesn't, it's okay. So we live in abundance. <clears throat> Second Kings 7, verse 17 through 18. The end of the story. Um, I don't know if that means it's working or not. Here, mute it. I have a great idea. This is what we're going to do. Is it muted? Have you guys ever seen like a pastor do sound stuff during, <laughs> during the sermon? Um, you could probably turn the game down a little bit. It should be fine. So we live in abundance. In 2 Kings 7, verse 17 through 18, it says, So everything happened exactly as the man of God had predicted when the king came to his house. The man of God had said to the king, by this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost one piece of silver and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost one piece of silver. So, so he prophesied over the famine that there would be provision and they would flourish as, as a people. And so we see that it happened. We see that it, it happened here. See, abundance, living, what does it mean to live in abundance? Living in abundance is more about your spirit than your physical life. Living in abundance is more about being fulfilled within. It's more about having the right spiritual mindset, being filled with the Spirit of God. Our search for satisfaction ends with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. He causes our spirit to be filled. He is abundant life for us. He is all that we'll ever need. He's all that we could ever want. When you have Jesus, you have everything. The Bible says that everything was created through him and for him. Everything that you see was created through Jesus. It says that he holds it all together by the power of his word. It's because of Jesus that we have breath. It's because of Jesus that we have family. It's because of Jesus that we have a, a home. No matter if it's the home you want or not, it's because of Jesus that you're living today. And it's because of Jesus that you're sitting here. He is everything. He is everything. When I, when I think about our church, when I think about what we're building, we're not building it around an individual that's, that's right here. It's not about me or my wife or my family. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. We will never be fully satisfied or fulfilled in the physical if we're, if we're empty in the spiritual. When our spirit is filled by Jesus, our perspective and responses to life begin to change. We have a heavenly perspective where we're now, we're, now we're looking at our situations not based on the situation, but based on what's inside of me. So everything may look the same, but I can still live in abundance. My bank account may be negative or empty, but I can still be abundant. My, my family may be falling apart. I'm not saying we ignore these things. I'm not saying we act like they don't exist. 
but we can have a heavenly perspective just because the outer scenario is not what I want, that doesn't mean my inner abundance is empty. It makes sense. As long as I'm satisfied on the inside, we see that true abundance is found in being content with what we have. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 through 7, it says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that, that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we, can, we cannot take anything out of the world. It's saying that you want to be truly content with your life. You want to be truly fulfilled. It comes from being filled by the Spirit. Being filled by the Spirit of God. Because abundance is more about what's inside of you than what's outside. Now you may say, well, okay, well, what if I'm not satisfied with my marriage? Or what if I'm not satisfied with the way that I parent my kids or the way that my kids treat me or the way that my job, how do I, how do I fix those things? You allow God to fill you up. You allow God to change you because then you begin to react differently to every situation. So if I'm filled with the Spirit of God and I'm living in abundance and my wife, now, now, now we're good now, but when we would fight, my, my response was different when I was filled. So God began to heal my marriage because he filled me up with him. God began to, now my job, well, I don't have the job that I want. Okay, well, let God fill you up so that you can see that every job is an opportunity to give him glory. And if we live to give him glory, he advances us and he promotes us and he blesses us and he provides for us. Do you see how it all kind of links together that if we just allow God to fulfill us, then everything changes. It may look the same, but our perspective is different because we're filled and we have abundance. Abundance is about spiritual contentment and being satisfied with what God is doing in you rather than what you're doing for yourself around you. That makes sense this morning. So we, we, we leave for abundance, we link, to, we link to abundance, and we live in abundance. So let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you again for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. For more information on our church, you can visit our website, reclaimchurchtx.com.